Welcome back to All That Heals. I'm your host, Vanessa Faria. All That Heals was created to honor all aspects of our healing journeys. Each episode is intended to leave you feeling empowered and nourished with loving permission to be more of your true self. We cover topics that support your health and wellness on all levels. We hope they make you feel lighter and inspire you to keep healing and evolving. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. So I just want to give a quick introduction to everybody listening. I'm here today with Robert Harris. And Robert Harris is my cranial sacral therapy teacher. I did my training with him, I would say now it was a few years ago, a number of years ago. And I first found Robert through my dance training and through my teachers at my school at the Toronto Dance Theater who knew about cranial sacral therapy and introduced us to the practice a little bit. And then I found Robert and I was so I was so curious about it and really wanted to take it deeper. So then I reached out to him to do his training and I did his introductory courses and then I went further and did his advanced training, et cetera. And it has been wonderful to offer this to clients and to practice this work, but a lot of people don't know anything about it. So I want to just give everybody a chance to hear from you, Robert. You have been studying and teaching and practicing cranial sacral therapy for so many years. You are a wealth of knowledge. You have so much to offer. You're one of the calmest people I have ever met, (laughs) which is amazing. And I think I love saying that and sharing that because I think it's a real tribute to the work that you do. And so please share a little bit more about your journey and how you discovered cranial sacral therapy and what it is. Well, cranial sacral therapy came into my life and my wife's life together, uh, unfortunately, because of a knee injury for her and with us being on a trampoline together. And it led to her knee um, having serious injury that needed surgery. We were already massage therapists and working with post-injury situations and scar tissue adhesions that the body naturally develops as a response to repair and healing. Mm. And our work with dealing with scar tissue had been very deep and forceful, and that's traditionally what would be done. And so after surgery, Alex had been going for treatment and she went three times a week. I worked on her every single day that she wasn't at physiotherapy. And then craniosacral came into our life uh, through a friend introducing us to to an individual. It was at a dinner party. And this person put her hands on Alex's knee and her hands virtually almost didn't move. They just did tiny little shifts and then it would stop and stay there. And then she'd move a tiny little bit more and stay there. And Alex was fascinated with how much she could perceive inside her knee. She said it felt like things were reorganizing and it wasn't painful at all. There was like percolations of sensation, but it was not painful like when forceful stretching was being done or I was digging in on the spot on those other days. And she, in having two appointments with this person, went through 35 days of outcome from just two appointments. Wow. And we signed up for the very next course. 
that was possible to take training in because we had been working at that point about eight years as massage therapists. Uh, our practice had Karen Kane living next door to us. A lot of the National Ballet came to the chiropractor we were with. We saw a lot of scar tissue. We saw a lot of adhesions. And it's traditionally the understanding that you go at it forcefully to break it down. And cranial sacral works entirely from a different way. It still has a goal of freeing up the body and, and restoring. Its goal is to restore normal mobility to soft tissue anywhere in the body. That we have soft tissue, our muscles, our tendons, our ligaments, there's fascia, there's connective tissue that is our building framework for our whole being. Mm -hmm. And when we go through injury and inflammation, the material that the body develops to repair is really part of fascial structure. It, it really bonds onto fascia. And you lay down too much protein, develops adhesions and bonds. And cranial sacral is extremely light in its handling of the body. Rather than a forceful digging and an insistence on uh, of a result coming about immediately, feeling something soften with the therapist pressure, digging at something, yeah. cranial sacral starts with extremely light hands that are able to recognize on a body where has there been a compromise to normal, gentle, easy mobility. And also the hands can test for more significant mobility like a physiotherapist does or a chiropractor. What's your range of motion like? What's the elastic edge of your tension like? But the hands, when they are gently resting on the body, all of us, our bodies, not only have the motion of breathing and other movement that's going on our digestive tract, but there is a movement that is happening that is perceivable through the whole body that is created from the need of the brain and the spinal cord environment, your central nervous system from that environment staying fresh all the time. That, that environment is sitting, the brain and the spinal cord are in a fluid bath of cerebral spinal fluid. The fluid that's bathing your brain and your spinal cord mm. is offering this floating phenomena to make the nervous system not only fluid protected, a shock absorber for forces that come at us, then the fluid makes the whole brain lighter in volume and its weight. Right. But what the fluid also does is the volume of it goes slightly up in the amount and then the volume drops back down as it reabsorbs into the circulation. The body makes fluid okay. and it's able to make it at a speed that's greater than its ongoing absorption. So what it does is it pushes the connective tissue, the wrapping around the brain and the support of the brain because we have support we have a fold right through the center of our brain in the sac that's separating the two halves of your brain and the folds in the sac there's another fold at the level of your eyes to your ears to around to the back of your head and that horizontal fold keeps the upper brain 
from not being too much weight on the lower brain. It gives support to this very gelatinous structure of brain that in the midst of the floating that it has, it needs to have these inner dividers of support. But the inner folds of the sac act almost like a saran wrap effect on the brain. And Mm -hmm. so the brain environment needs to essentially have this ongoing easing of the force. And it also helps to move cerebral spinal fluid through the system as it balloons it out a little bit. And then the amount of fluid relaxes and it recoils back in. So that movement is actually a physical fluid expansion onto the head and asks the plates of the skull to gap a tiny, tiny bit, which they do. All the plates have a gap ability to them. But as you're going through this mechanical expansion on the environment for the central nervous system, pressure on it, on the central nervous system, excites the resting level of the body. Mm. The slight bit of pressure increasing in the brain brings about a turning out of the whole body. As though like when a baby hears a loud sound, its arms go out, it arches back. There's an instinctual response in the body that with stimulus, the first thing the body does is it goes into this response of turning out, which is part of moving away from something, arching back. There's a toning in general. In cranial sacral hands, without invading on the comfort of a person, without disturbing the nature of their presentation of how they are in their gluing, in their restriction that's developed, the hands as they monitor this, what should be a symmetrical movement of the body, are able to find where are their places of compromise, where are their places of the body has laid down too much protein and caused adhesion. Mm-hmm. And so that dynamic of what had happened into Alex's knee, where the surgery and the injury had led to significant scar tissue adhesions, right. what the person's hands were doing with her craniosacral recognizes distortions in the body's ability to have a symmetry of movement. Mm. And cranial sacral's entree into gaining release from those tissues is brought about from either offering to the tissues a sense of ease, de-stressing of their binding up that they witness, and actually moving that bound area closer to itself to give it some slack. Mm. And when the body's offered a sense of slack, the craniosacral rhythm in witnessing the ease of attention in the body, the craniosacral rhythm, this dynamic of the fluid rising and pushing the bones away and the membrane away, that need to ease the tension when the body witnesses that somewhere it is witnessing a sense of some ease. What happens is a person's cranial rhythm suspends itself. The movement that the body is going through will come to a standstill. And that will show a therapist's hands that the direction of slack that they have just offered is just the right dimensionality for the body. And in the rhythm going quiet, when it pauses, 
there is an instant relaxation that comes over an individual. And the depth of relaxation that gets generated while the cranial rhythm stays in this hover and doesn't cause any arousal leads to the tissues reorganizing their fibrosity. There can be an immediate change in the fibrous nature of what's there. And the cranial rhythm has shown to the body the nature of a compromise in its inability to move. And as hands are simply offering a provision of proximity, the rhythm will tell the individual that this is the right direction you're going and this is the right place to just sustain this posturing. Now, the phenomenon of what happens to you when your rhythm goes quiet is actually something we all have witnessed but have not necessarily been conscious of it. It happens to us in the midst of something like a big hug from a friend, from a partner. We tend to just feel this immediate going lax in their arms. That is your tone actually dropping in that proximity happening. It also happens, too, when you climb into a hammock, and the hammock is leading your body into a gathered pressure from the sides, is easing what the body's normal sense is of its witness in structure and gravity, this gathering together. And no one has ever finished a book in a hammock. Right. In all my teaching, all the presentations and asking of groups and things, there's yeah. never been an individual who said, I've actually finished the book. And because in right. a hammock, you're driven down into this deep, deep stillness. Yeah, which is why and it's so relaxing, right? That's which is why point. that is so relaxing yeah. and it works. And it is, it is also why swaddling an infant will settle an infant. Because swaddling is not calming them because it's mimicking the environment they just left and helping to give them a familiarity. Mm. Because actually that environment for the last while was closing in on them and there wasn't a sense of security there. It's because of the gathering that happens and swaddling them settles the individual. Mm. And it turns out that if you're offered some slack about stress physically yes you turn off but you also have it happen mentally or emotionally a boss tells you you've got an extra week on a project you're given some slack on a timeline you virtually sigh with relief there's a sense of this acknowledgement rippling through your system and it happens to around around mental stresses too that there are emotional stresses that there was some conflict with a friend a partner And then you go to bring it up and speak about it. And then the person says, oh, I didn't mean it that way. I'm I'm, I'm sorry that, um, but when they cut slack about the issue, there also is this immediate alteration in our normal functioning of the nervous system. It is going on and off and our rhythm is is going at the cycle close to our breathing. And when we're relaxed, we will tend to have our breath in match the speed of our own arousal that's happening from fluid pressures rising. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times our breathing has sped up and we're slightly faster than our rhythm. But in a relaxed environment, as we slow down, we tend to match 
the slightly slower speed of this fluid increasing and and dropping down. Mm. Now, besides the body getting led into this phenomenon of the still point, which I'm going to talk about more um, in a moment, or you know, through through our podcast, but because yeah. it is such a an important uh, dynamic, and it's a dynamic that's available to us independent of a therapist. And so it's an important uh, point and understanding I want us to gain today that also that the way craniosacral hands produce release, besides offering slack as a direction to lead the tissues, what they also do as their assistance to release is elongate, they stretch. And we feel stretch when we go into a yoga class when we're doing uh we're we're doing a stretch before a workout we're asking something to find release by coming up against the edge of the give in in the muscle in the tension in that area and so frequently two other therapies will have an insistence from the hands of i really need you to let go right now Mm-hmm. Place is tight, massage therapist comes in with more force on that place or uses trigger point therapy to really press into an area and get surrender. Yeah. When there's a lot of force, the body tends to tighten up. And so craniosacral hands want to address the nature of how something has been glued and find the route to ungluing it through addressing a lengthening with the right direction, not just the structural makeup of a muscle that it goes from one spot of attachment to another, which mm-hmm. is how the massage therapist, the physiotherapist would tend to orient the work with the tissues. Yeah. And craniosacral will instead very gently so that the hands will not bring on any reactiveness of defense in the tissues, a toning up yeah. from the load being too much. Yeah. In the gentleness, they witness the precision of the way it is anchored and the lead will be addressing those directions of the pull first to get a yield from it. So you're adapting your stretch to really find where is the greatest pullback and the orientation is always being led by the nature of the restriction and the change in it and mm-hmm. and so there's a in staying gentle with craniosacral hands there's an ability to provide to the tissues an appropriate suggestion of a direction that will be optimal to find release and yield and that the hands as they are negotiating with the tissues are able to recognize and feel what is just the right amount of load to stretch with it's like with silly putty if you come at it quickly it firms up and it resists the action and so as we're elongating something to produce release, that 
we are ongoingly witnessing what are the slight shifts like and adjusting our directions that we're going to lead the tissues. And then that area that's also provided relief is also led into an optimal repositioning for the bony structures. The soft tissues are attached to our frame. And so we want to get releases from the soft tissues and then provide the structural reorganization of the framework. But if we were just to use the bones as a source of recognition and just ask the bone to get over into alignment, but not respecting the feedback from the tissues, not looking to insult them and re-irritate them from too much force to not bring on micro trauma to tissues that sometimes can happen when the load is so, so great. So the gentleness allows us also to work with newborns to uh, be able to help um, those that have just entered into the world and to also read what is necessary to help their body and structure find release from tissues that have gone into reaction through misalignments so frequently for them. Their position in utero the birth process, sometimes they maybe have dropped early mm. in the mom's pelvis for the last month. If they've dropped early and their head is really wedged into the pelvis, their neck is taking a tremendous amount of load and side bend usually. with. And so many a baby is born with challenges of the process of being born, their position in utero has led to the base of the skull and the neck witnessing too much compression force and possibly those compression forces too were at an angle. And coming out from your head right where the skull is meeting the first vertebrae is also where our vagus nerve, the digestion control for us, the relaxation nerve, uh, it's exiting through there, as is a nerve that's controlling the individual's actions of their tongue, their jaw, and so the baby's ability to have a good latch uh, gets influenced and their control of the um, being able to suck and swallow and whether mm -hmm. gags are happening. And the compressions that can occur through birth uh, are so assisted through offering the newborn a undoing of those um, imbalances in forces that have been delivered into their system and to provide a reorganizing of possibly how cranial plates are sitting and whether the head is achieving nice round shape afterwards or. Um, and can I ask you a question? Yes. So when it comes to birth, right? How many, this is, I think really important because I know that the birth story and how they come out and how, what you experience can really, you know, make quite a number on your physical body. So 
Is it common just from what you've seen? How many people as adults do you see where you're like, this physical imbalance has been with you for such a long time that it most likely was through birth? Can you tell that? Or is it difficult to tell? Because I'm kind of curious if I'm selfish a little bit, I have some neck on the right side, jaw, TMJ, tightness, grinding. I went to the dentist. They said I have a tongue tie, a tight frenum. And then I have reoccurring pain and tension from these sides. And it, even if I will get work done or body work done, it will still come back. This pattern that keeps coming back, no matter whether you work on it or not. And that I'm wondering how much of that is from birth or a really origin moment at a young age and how much of it is cumulative events and, Mm -hmm. you know, other things that have happened throughout your life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Birth can have a huge influence on um, creating patterns of challenges. Yes. Um, the, The forces, the misalignments that can get established, uh, when not addressed, recognized, Mm-hmm. Um, yes, can can really set a imbalance in the structural framework that then plays out into all other kinds of um, conditions and symptoms. Things like this bone that's in our temple area, this area you're told to be so careful with each other with and not bang hard there, that bone goes right the way across and it's the orbit for our eyes and it holds our pituitary gland and that bone receives the whole support of the lateral suspension of the brain and that so distortions that are witnessed in that area can have huge huge influences that um, maybe the bone is off to the side when it goes off to the side it could be a forceps birth it could be that the baby has a hand up beside its head in utero or during the birth but it could become an acquired pattern too but when that bone goes sideways it has been known to really be a source for scoliosis developing through the spine that the spine has a harder time recognizing where is its vertical plumb line and um, you can also have it be that in birth a, a baby comes out and the parents notice, oh, it likes to keep its head turned one direction more. Seems like it looks more easily that way and goes to look the other way and it rebounds away from it as though it isn't comfortable. But a lot of times they just say, well, it looks like a preference. But in fact, yes, the baby's got a bit of a kink in its neck and at times it's a source of a lot of discomfort. But what it does when that turn is happening is it will twist the bone that is the socket of your jaw and your ear and the bump behind your ear. And then that leads to your jaw being led over. The um, turn in the bone brings on pressure against the brain on that side. And so you can get learning disabilities. You can get eye motor control problems coming about from, from the misalignments going on. Mm-hmm. So So birth can be a primary source of challenges that an individual is then facing through their life. Um, Learning disabilities, recurrent ear infections, eye motor control, coordination, gross and fine motor, uh, central processing, hyperactivity, 
easy volatility for a child, mm. uh, a number of TMJ conditions, maybe yeah. ears, uh, vertigo, you know, numerous, numerous things that vertigo. all can be coming about mm-hmm. from asymmetries of the nervous system's environment and the pathways for nerves and the blood vessel environment also. When, when fascia has a distortion in it, its implications, the, the consequences of the distorted elasticity has implications on nerve function, muscle balance, vascular supply, ease of fluid translation, uh, lymphatics. It really reflects through all the systems of the body. Mm. But a lot of problems too, when something is really old, it can be there, there. You can develop bony shape adaptations to it, and so those aren't necessarily going to change with therapy. And as you've experienced, there can be relief that you get from treatment that, yeah. that it'll provide, but that the structural imbalance so frequently is is can be strongly inset, mm. but. One thing we've witnessed with cranial sacral compared to when we'd had years as massage therapists and also witnessing what other clients have gone through in their course of therapy is cranial sacral, like it did with Alex's knee and the scar tissue, is there's a profound awakening of corrective mechanisms in the individual's own body to actually reorganize the dysfunctional tissue. Hmm. And just and in so, layman, so, in so we Yeah, I just want to explain. So, so a softening. So, so of getting greater amount of changes from yeah, the structural yeah. um, stuff that really right. is too solid, too dense. And and um, what that I just want to for people to know what that means really is that once you give the body, you know, the, just a little bit of that assistance and direction, it really is healing itself, right? That's the, also yes. the cool part about this is that it really goes off of the, the belief or the theory that the body, once it's in the right positioning, or once it has the right amount of uh, space or slack or whatever it is, it starts to regenerate and repair Yes, yes in a much quicker does. way than it would have if it just you know, had that forceful, consistent force, but not the enough space or the enough conversation to let it heal on its own. Uh, conversation's a, a good term because mm-hmm. there is very much the recipient of, of the hands-on work feels like there is a local conversation that is happening, that their awareness is able to peacefully be settled into what they're witnessing the hands are doing, what their body's going through. And so they get cooperatively engaged with witnessing a quality of the settling that's happening there because the stillness is a naturally relaxing phenomena. And so they're feeling themselves get diffused about the initial dynamic that's there. So as they're getting led into this place and stillness starts to come over them. There's this deeper invitation to really keep dropping in to more and more internal settling being found 
around what before was difficult to find because there was naturally just these ongoing stirrings in the dynamic of the tissue. Mm-hmm. Or if a therapist is also being forceful, your awareness is so frequently about ah, trying to reduce the pain that's coming about from the forceful insistence of yeah. the therapy, trying to, um, it's, it's very different than being able to sort of hold this positive meditative focus Mm-hmm. that is being encouraged by the dynamic of stillness um, yeah. being offered to the whole system and that the provider of your matrix is also perceptive. The therapist is able to co-witness your stillness fluctuations and whether their hands are now leading you away from that zone that the two of you were in that had co-witness of stillness and the further shiftings happening in tissues. There's a bizarre dynamic that happens when somebody's been in stillness for a long, long time and you're holding this matrix. There really is a witness of a change in the structural makeup because the elastic pulls that led you into the pattern there's this dynamic where it's as though spring melt has come in to a shape and it's turned liquid. The the individual in the midst of them going through treatment and feeling themselves get more and more and more relaxed, they tend to feel like they are sinking as though they're water pooling down into the earth. And so as their consciousness is going through that kind of feeling of just this I'm turning liquid. I'm just in this place of surrender. When the consciousness is in that place, also that region is going through finding a liquid quality also. And there literally is a structural reorganizing that the person's own body has done because the therapist has not insisted on anything from the tissues. They haven't been stretching it. They've maybe just been holding it in slack. And the times when they are stretching it, all they're doing is it's like this gentle coercion. It's not this absolute insistence. And then the coercion starts to have it be, well, it was a thick rubber band. Now it's a smaller one and it's more stretchable. Now it's even more stretchable. And now it feels like somebody's oiled the environment and we could have a viscosity rather than this elastic anchoring there. And so providing engagement with an individual that is respecting the nature of what has occurred there and providing either just this hands-on quality that is as though you're saying, I fully understand and I'm willing to just hold you and support you and offer you ease from the stress that's in here. And then in the the lengthening request that's happening, there's a sense that somebody is not being forced, that they're being just um, gradually shown what is the easier pathway to find a sense Mm -hmm. of you access letting go, find a further sense of, of yield being offered. And those kinds of yields often feel like a, a big exhalation 
when as you exhale and you feel the sense of a relaxation or a release and extension that um, that when things are getting longer the person's witnessing this immediate sense of an ease coming over them from the challenge the um as to whether you know something is it there from birth is it acquired when something's acquired and it hasn't been there a long time it doesn't develop as much fibrosity to it so it's not as dense a structure uh, of a misalignment mm-hmm. and so that's one of the ways to to read if something's old or new is is just right. how quickly is it able to shift but when something is also very very old it doesn't mean that it is not changeable that that really when the body is handled in in ways that one's own heart and mind can be in this place of coherence with themselves and with the discord that's been there when one can bring a a coherent positive compassionate with the self Mm -hmm. heart and a relaxed mind into a focus on that region that has had the discord there's a natural reorganizing that happens there and there's there and that's being understood now within new medicine and neuropsychoimmunology and the research that's that's been occurring of seeing that when one is able to really access this place of heart and head harmony when mm. you can get to this sort of zero point place yeah. in our consciousness when we can suspend ourselves from our worries about the future our attachments to the past and we can instead just come into the very present moment ever present moment and we can just be a witness in that place when we can hold a witness and stay in that place of witness with a compassionate heart a peaceful mind there's automatically this dynamic this zone that we enter into that deepens the place we are and gets us connected to these other energies really we, we open ourselves up to there being more than just our conscious our mental negotiation with ourselves, our, our way of negotiating from our history our past patterns absolutely Instead, when we can bring ourselves into the present moment we can be clear witness to to the true need that, and, Yes. And yeah. that's that's something that I've experienced so many times. It's one of my favorite things about this therapy and why I love receiving it so much mm-hmm. <laughs> is truly to get me out of, you know, I find that just cumulatively I'll get into patterns of thinking or behaving or moving physically or emotionally too. And I find they're all connected, right? And then just being able to be held in that space where I can fully surrender and let go and move through something emotionally, mentally, and physically at the same time is so helpful. And after a session, I just feel so clear, clear headed, lighter. I feel more obviously aligned physically. Like I can walk better. I can move better. I can dance better, whatever it is. But that feeling too, of finding that still point and finding that calm that I think everybody right now needs so much, but we're always in that high 
fight or flight state of like doing, 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 you know, go, go, go moving Mm -hmm. from one thing to the next, constantly thinking about what has to be done and then being able to really give yourself the opportunity to sit and rest and receive and actually be held, but also hold yourself too in a different, in a different light is really helpful for healing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really necessary element for true healing to, Mm -hmm. to be able to, to step into a more relaxed place. And, and so frequently while yes, we are still revved up and we're in our busy lives and we're squeezing an appointment in, and then we're running on to something else after Mm -hmm. we're not able to get the full value of our various interventions when mm-hmm. we desire it, if we're under stress drive, when we're when we're not able to have our vagus appropriately be balancing whether it's we should be in stress drive, but now we don't need to be, and it's a time of of restoration, rebuild. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy for our vagus to lose that ability of bringing on the relaxed function. Stress by itself is self-perpetuating the muscle tensions it brings on of the spine tightening up arouses the alarm system more the shallower breathing gets us more aroused to neck tensions and forward head posture will make the vagus nerve also keep that state and and at the beginning well with covid and and how much people are on screens and and at computers um, and it's been seen over the years that our posture at desks and working forward head posture has has really added to how much stress individuals and society feels as a whole that stress has gone up in general before COVID even. And, and, um, our, our work positions and, uh, demands on our body, just postural demands Mm -hmm. leave us more vulnerable to stress dominating the baseline of our nervous system. And it is why people too are seeking more. There's more interest in yoga. There's more interest in alternatives of ways to try to self-regulate and come out of this stress dominance. Yeah. And and it's really needed for 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 the measures, the other measures. We could have a good diet, but if you're under stress all the time, you're not going to utilize the nutrients that are there. Yeah. And and we too with stress the jaw naturally tightens up and and when our jaw is tighter and if there's clenching that's going on or if we're wanting to keep chewing gum with having the muscles there be toned and they want to do something yeah but it can all keep us still in that that hyper um state that um many of us frequently take that as normal we also accept a certain level of hyperness because we feel yep. it's a motivator mm-hmm. um, it, it keeps us more alert sharper but the sharpness also that it brings on when you're in alarm response isn't really a, a mental faculty of creative thought um, expansive thought it's more your thought is concerned about responding to your environment is something good or bad yes or no and so 
we're more reactive. In fact, we have faster reactions, but we may not have more sensibilities about um, what our choices are, what our elections opportunities are. The element of how much um, stress can self-perpetuate itself. And then this last few years, it's really been, uh, we've, we've all been victim to it that much more. And at least people have had some more free time, um, some, and a little bit of option to maybe look after. But at the same time, we've become that much more device dependent. And so if that's where we're going with our extra time, it's not necessarily undoing those muscle patterns, the postural things that can happen, of the neck getting tighter and tighter. And we've seen changes in bodies happen over the years. In in COVID at the beginning, people's low backs um, were really messed up because their psoas muscles had shortened so much while they were seated and stressed all the time. And you'd when when people were first allowed outside, you could just see walking low back troubles. People were so pulled forward in their lower spine um, with the psoas shortenings. And actually, that's funny that you say that because like my my partner right now has exactly this happening. He has a lot of other things. He used to be, you know, there was a lot. He's an athlete and whatever, but it's all on his side and then back, hip, lower back and hip. And then there's that nerve pain that's going down the leg too. Also, yeah. And it's it's hard to get to, to shift out of it because it's so strong. One of the... uh... A self-help exercise that we virtually steer all clients to a sequence of exercises is getting onto all fours, cat and downward dog position, and also cow stretch. So on all fours and going sideways. And the reason, and and when you're doing those stretches is to also not just go into the curve, but send your mind along the spine. And as you send your mind along the spine, you ask each vertebrae to move a little bit more in the direction that it's that you've curved in. Mm. It will let you as you go along your body, you're getting your your consciousness down inside. And as you go segment to segment, you'll also get in touch with the segment that's really the painful and unmovable one. And what one witnesses as you've been asking other segments to move a little bit, when your mind is there and you're focused on it, it does move an extra bit. And so even though as you arrive at your slightly more fixed one and uncomfortable, you've already gone through the mental empowerment of, look, I can shift my body a bit by just being focused and gradual and peaceful. It will move with my added supportive intention. And so in that really stuck zone, if I also image that the hand is helping it or a string is guiding it further in in traveling Mm. a person can feel it change and move and also their whole shape becomes bigger at that moment because no longer is that one segment limiting the curve that's been trying to come about and so it's a very empowering way to safely because when you're on all fours None of your muscles suddenly kick in because your spine tipped off of being stacked with gravity. Okay. You're standing as soon as you're slightly off your plumb line, muscles start working okay. to brace. Yeah. And also then you can't 
appropriately really stretch something. But when you're on all fours, none of that feedback happens. And a person can gain very um, uh, welcomed, prying open into a place and negotiating with not being a source of pain, but witnessing the edge of their pain. If you start to get a buzzy heart and distressed, you're yeah. using too much force. Right. And you stay in this place where you can still be compassionately engaged with your focus of your mind and heart in the place and things will shift. But so frequently, too, when somebody's been athletic and they've been used to being more engaged with their body, sometimes there'll be an impatience about their approach for that. There's been a uh, familiarity with um, using extra force to get through something, uh, overpowering it. And one has to back off from battling with the tense area yeah. and instead um, be just there as this gentle at the edge yeah. of gradual cajoling, requesting a little bit more. Yeah. It, um, and, uh, and besides people's low backs having so much trouble, and a lot of times computers too, we're not necessarily sitting straight on. We cross a leg over and, I'm doing right and now. We, may stand, we may be standing on one leg because of that too all the time. And so if we're standing on one leg, we need to get down on all fours and do a side cow stretch. We need to help those muscles at the top edge of our pelvis uh, that go up to the ribs. They need to witness getting long again, because if we've been standing on one leg, if we keep crossing one leg over the other when we're seated, we mm-hmm. guarantee to have a short side and, and you can't pry that open standing. You'll feel it, you'll, um, but on all fours, you can really help that open up. People too, um, with tensions in their neck, something that's been interesting is a number of old clients had reached out I'm saying I need treatment because my front teeth are bumping in a way they weren't before. And what is happening is the support bone of the eyes is Mm -hmm. doing more turning down towards the keyboard. Yeah. And the more that that neck tensions also tip our heads backwards, the more rotation our um, orbits are having to do to look down. Mm -hmm. And what it's doing is it's actually affecting the whole roof of the mouth. And people are getting their front teeth hitting earlier or striking uh, in proximity behind the upper front that that wasn't there before. Good thing. That's so interesting. I literally, not too long ago, I just got some books to raise my computer so that I'm not looking down as much. As much, yes. Yes. So So that you're not challenging that and causing as much rotation through there. Yeah. And I noticed it because even when I walk outside normally, I am noticing I'm looking down all the time as I'm walking. Yes. Which we need to to for knowing um, where our feet are going to be landing, but it's become a preferred position too. Yes. Um, But it's like uh, too much. I'm like, why, why was I doing this? I became conscious of it. And I was like, well, I have to put myself in a very different position to actually get my eyes more level. Level. And it's a feeling of safety too, is really interesting of my body, getting my body to feel like, oh, I feel safe. I feel comfortable being here rather than feeling a bit more in that feeling of stress of like, oh, I have to make sure I don't fall over or something. Yeah. 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 um, There's 
with people's eyes, mm-hmm. when, when if we with our eyes hold our heads straight and we ask our eyes to look as far as we can to the left mm-hmm. and then as far as we can to the right. Mm-hmm. And, and if a person does a testing, really, how far do your eyes go one way? How far do they go the other way? What we're feeling in doing that is the actual structural divide in our brain. Because mm-hmm. that layer of supporting our brain, the mm-hmm. higher brain yeah. that, that goes from our eyeballs to our ears and around to the back, it wraps your eyeballs. And so when a person looks right and looks left, if one direction is easier, it's because their head's actually slightly tighter on the inside. So not with turning your whole head, but oh, just the eyes okay. themselves. And the side that's easier to look towards is mm-hmm. actually your tighter side in your head. Interesting. And that layer of side that is greater tension, a lot of times a person will be their tighter jaw side or they'll get an eye ache more easily, fatigue on that side or the headache will come on on that side of their head. And, and so one is perceiving their own cranial imbalances just with the eye movement. Wait, so I just looked, I just looked left and it was easier to look left. And when I look right, it's a bit more tension on this side. Yeah. And so your head actually has more tension on the left side, enabling your eyes to look more to the left. And when you go to look to the right, they can't go as far to the right. Yeah. That's so interesting though, because all my, I find all my tension is on the right. Um, but a lot of your tension is from the neck area yeah. traveling up as opposed to right in, inside your head. And if uh, one can also witness that uh, when we pull on our ears really gently, if we snug in close to our ear canal and we pull slightly backwards and outwards, only about the force of, of a coin, but what you would also feel on the left side of your head is you're pulling at your ear is going to feel firmer, tighter, denser than it does on the right. Yeah. You're, you're going to feel that it doesn't stretch as easily, that yep. it pulls back at you a bit more. And that is the pull to the left side that your eyes feel that when you pull at your ear, it's also asking that same structural divide in your brain to also feel a stretch. So now you'll notice if you pull with your left, and you look to your right, you feel a greater pull in your left hand, but you also feel like, oh, I'm stretching it a bit more. And you feel it open up a bit. Yeah. You feel a little bit of sense of space happening. You start to feel some of that quality of what you get in treatment of things feel easier. The end of a session, so frequently as imbalances are altered and shifted, yes, you're, you're saying earlier, you feel the sense of alignment come over you. The sort of expansiveness that's happened. Now that horizontal layer is so witness to general tensions in your head that that horizontal layer, if we cradle it, we can go into an instant stillness. And the way we cradle it is something that we instinctually tend to do when our fingers get interlaced and you put your hands behind your head. The person goes into that position when they want a moment's muse of thinking right. about something, right. or frequently even some time out on a couch or a floor, and usually space out 
And at the back of your head, so when your hands are there, you tend to get a bit heavier. But what I want to share is that there are two precise spots at the back of your head that have been created by the pull from your eyeballs. Your eyeballs that have this tissue wrapping it, that structure goes all the way around to the back of your head. And there's two spots directly lined up with your own eyes that have felt the pull more than anywhere else in the the whole back of your head. Now, a person, if they close their own eyes and they went to imagine they could look out the back of your own head, close your eyes and you went to imagine. So you're in your imaginative self. You're not talking to yourself up in your forehead. You're pretending you're the back of your head. You're going, okay, if I had eyes and I could see out, where would they be? You'll recognize there's two places you would put your eyes. Now, fingertips, if you came with only the contact of a dime with your index finger, so only the pressure of a dime, and you went to touch where you are saying, that's where my eyeballs would be, and you just touch it with the weight of a dime from each finger, and then touch two inches above where you were, and then come back and touch where your eyeballs would be. And that is the still point. The sinking that happens, the settling, the getting heavier with gravity through Mm -hmm. just giving a bit of cradling to the support of your brain and your system drops into stillness. That is why you access new thoughts when you go into moments muse. Mm -hmm. That's why you drift when you cradle yourself in this Mm -hmm. position. So the gentle fingers let you witness, oh, there's these two spots that will do it. And if I leave the spots, notice I'm just my normal brain, my normal nervous self. But when I come into where my eyeballs would be, there's an immediate sense of getting heavier. And the getting heavier is the rhythm going quiet. It's the rhythm no longer stimulating a baseline of tension in the system. So someone can do their own therapy by just interlacing their fingers, asking the fleshy part of their thumbs, the cushy part, to be what's going to cradle where those two eyes would be. And you'll drive yourself down into stillness. And in stillness, you can make a request that I want the stillness that's rippling all the way through me to also really address a place of old challenge a place that is my trouble spot. Mm -hmm. Because whether the hands are right on the spot or it's just that your nervous system is being delivered into this phenomena, that the phenomena by itself will change the fibrousness. Wow, that's awesome. You you with your eyes, Vanessa, Mm -hmm. test right now, Mm -hmm. looking left and looking right. Oh my God, already there's no tension on the right, like the way that it was before. It changed already. Already it changed. And and that's connective tissue. That is not just musculature. Right. (laughs) So it's an immediate, not just as a relaxation phenomena coming over the body, Mm -hmm. but it is in fact the structural makeup of connective tissue has found more viscosity rather than holding its pattern of old. When you're offered enough time in stillness, 
that is rippling through your system as an ever-deepening, continuous zero-point phenomena. Mm. You're in a neuroplastic dynamic. Mm -hmm. You're able to reprogram that which is amiss inside you. You're able to ask the body to shift something that is discordant, an old memory that has embodied itself in you, of, of an emotional thing that has a correlation somewhere, a trigger of an injury, of an imbalance, the blueprint that birth has delivered us or that our trials in life we've acquired. Mm -hmm. If we drop into that zero point and we hold it long enough, we're giving ourselves the opportunity of neuroplasticity to reprogram how our system is inappropriately um, having pathways that have developed of pain and stimuli and responses, associated responses. You get to dissociate from all those and undo them. And when you've been in a long, deep stillness and you're feeling things dissolve and liquidity is happening to you, there's also this really welcomed, reinforcing dynamic that happens from the cranial rhythm. Yep. Is that when you've been in long stillness and your system comes back on, the arousal is in your midline first. The wake up to your nervous system coming out of this zone you've drifted off in. The wake up happens as a sensation of energy in your core. Yeah. And that energetic midline arousal arousal of energy like you're taking a deep breath in and feeling kundalini rise inside you mm, it's the best acts, feeling <laughs> it's, it's the best reason. feeling yeah and it is a very strong reorganizing principle too that you've had this letting go and then your wake up is happening in your midline it's happening as this arousal arousal from within so there's a reinforcement to one sense too of promise into the future yeah. there's this sense of inspiration of spirit coming within one of getting mm -hmm. inspired and and as you come out of your deep deep stillness where you feel like oh i'm so quiet i don't even feel like i need to breathe yeah. when your rhythm comes back on you also naturally take a very big breath yeah. and so as you're feeling this sense of expansion physically happen inside you there's also this energy moving up in a natural sense of inspiration and supporting a sense of moving towards a new future and leaving that blueprint of the past dissolved and in one's trails behind them. Mm, I uh, love that. That's so great for everybody to hear and to learn about. I This has been such an amazing refresher for me and oh. so great to just hear you and speak and share and everything you say like I said it's so full there's so much so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom and insights and ahas to take from everything you shared so thank you so much oh you're welcome it um it's a comment that uh many of the students in taking the training for cranial sacral and the students are not just professionals, osteos, massage therapists, physios, but also it has always been open. It's why I became an independent teacher so that family members, a parent of a challenged child, um, or a person with interest or like yourself coming from a kinesthetic world of dance and embodied practice 
that there's a deepening that happens in a cranial sacral training to someone like yourself that maybe had the body interest but wasn't looking to be a healer and a helper. But there is a wakening up to the subtleties that happen in the midst of the training. And uh, subtleties at all kinds of levels. And there's an empowerment also that happens very rapidly because as we access stillness, it gives us an ability of being that much more perceptive of the subtleties that um, are occurring in the zone that our hands, our being is negotiating with somebody. And so the training is such a growthful, a positive experience for all of us um, mm-hmm. as as we're sharing our ability to become multidimensional in our perceptions and have a confirmed co-witness of the dimensionality of the experience and and get results too that uh, so it's it's always a very rewarding expansive experience for us all and and there's very much I've been at the work since the mid-80s is when it came into my life. And I was already an anatomy teacher at the massage school and and for a yoga teacher training program. So I'd already had a a strong anatomical interest. Mm -hmm. But the cranial sacral teaching has really enabled a breadth of sharing of understandings and perceptions to look to empower those getting trained in not just a techniques-based, but really an expanded perception of both what we're witnessing and what do we have to offer? What are we we bringing to our zone and Mm. holding the right heart space ourselves to facilitate? And so there's a real personal growth that happens um, as one both gets trained and also within the work, it's ongoingly providing that, which is something I love about it, that it, it, it gives me permission to stay subtly, refinedly focused in my day, in my awareness, and, yes. and also have a perceptive reality of provision and outcome from, mm. from, from the work. And Yes. I love it for that too. Like when I get to treat and be in that space, that subtle and liminal space, it is so fulfilling just as a practitioner even and calming even as a practitioner, because you need to put yourself in that space of receptivity and calm and stillness yourself. Yes. Yes. Right. To be able to sense those subtleties. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so great to have work where you feel like you're being nourished right in the midst of it yourself and uh, that you're also in that alignment. And yeah, my day usually has me charged at the end of the day, as opposed to feeling that I'm spent and I've given of myself because it's, it's asked of me to be in this place of attunement alignment. And so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's, there's ongoing provision for oneself and for that. Yes. For the person you're with. Yeah. Very, very rewarding to do it and very rewarding for the people receiving it. Uh, so frequently them saying, you know, I can't believe uh, mm-hmm. the results I'm getting that uh, yeah. I've been elsewhere and been trying other things or why didn't I know about this before or a concussion yeah. person or, you know, 
Absolutely. Her mom's saying, I haven't seen the baby this calm ever, uh, just immediately getting over challenges. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful. And that's kind of why I really wanted to have you on the show because not a lot of people know about what it is. They have never heard of it. And it sounds a little bit strange when you try to explain it. it. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to explain also, you know, it's just not the easiest thing to explain. So I wanted to have you on so that people could really get a deeper sense and understanding of what it looks like and what the benefits are and how it can help them and just understand what it's working with the fascia, the cerebral spinal fluid, the soft tissue in the body, but also the structural. So it has all components, you know, of massage therapy slash osteo slash chiropractic, right? It's kind of a blend of all of these things. Yes. Yeah. It really can blend all those disciplines mm-hmm. and and very much through the web of fascia as as the common intercommunicator into all those systems that yes. um, uh, fascia is also what your adhesions and scar tissue are made of mm. and that's what it bonds on to and so it's the best thing to get attuned to and, mm. and not just be identifying with the muscle or the bone or the ligament and right. You know, Oh, thank you thank so, you, so Vanessa. much. You're oh, welcome. Yes, yes. Thank you for this opportunity and, mm. and always um, welcome chance to educate others and, and share the work because it's it's turned our crank all these years and still continues to. Yes. You know, oh, yeah. and so life-changing for so many. So yeah. why don't you tell everybody just where they can find you and how they could work with you? Because okay. you, know, you yes. have a few, you have a few different options. So just so um to find our our website is is the best really cranialtherapy.ca. Mm-hmm. We'll take you there. And uh and there there's information about Alex and I and also the colleagues of the large practice that we had been up until COVID. But um, four of those therapists are still functioning independently. So they're listed on the site and findable. Alex and I these days are babies only because of just the demand that there is and making ourselves available without having to have those babies wait too long and really resolving and and there have been more births with covid too right um, yeah wow there, i didn't know that been. okay that's people that's at home more yeah there there was you know at the first bit of the nine months mark from the beginnings of lockdown there started to be more more babies and more in need because probably too a lot of those moms were pretty static during the pregnancy and not right. normal exercise that's so right. but um there's information there, yes, uh, and there's a tremendous volume of further explanations. There's articles that are in the for more information. There's also a video, but connected with it is a site called Becom. Get relaxed, Becom, B-E-C-A-L-M dot C-A, mm-hmm. and that also has two devices: backballs and soft adjustable still pointing balls there's information on that site too that is further supportive to understanding cranial sacral and and the release that people go into and the teaching that i do that is also uh, can be seen at the cranial therapy dot site 
craniotherapy.ca has information about the courses. And the courses have been online uh, since since COVID. And a very rewarding thing is that the recipients of the training are not feeling a compromise by it being through Zoom, that uh, right. they're reporting great, great results. And when I witnessed their hands in the very beginning of trying Zoom, I saw that it was going to be workable. Mm-hmm. And so, so people, yes, wanting to know and for themselves or therapists, yes, training is available. Amazing. Amazing. I will link everything in the show notes for people Great. so that they can find Great. it quickly. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And yes, thank you again. You're, you're so very much. welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much for, for the opportunity and um, and for the great work you're doing and getting things out there, Aww, helping thanks. people to find other ways that heal. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the episode. It would mean a lot to us if you took the time to share it with anyone who you know that would benefit from listening. Please leave us a review and some kind words on Apple Podcasts so that we can spread these discussions around healing. It helps us grow and we would so appreciate it. Much love and goodbye for now.